We're in a uh, series called Not Your Sunday School Jesus, and what we've been talking about are stories of Jesus, essentially my favorite stories of Jesus, uh, and, but we didn't want to call it John's favorite stories of Jesus, so we named it this. And uh, we've been looking at famous stories. You've probably heard most of them, even if you're new to the Bible or new to Christianity, you've probably heard these stories. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and... Um, and uh, what those implications were. And so we, we, we tell the story, but like you'd hear in Sunday school, but then we look at it maybe a little different way that they wouldn't have brought in some historical things and some different uh, context and all that. And so um, this morning's no different. Uh, I'm just going to give you a warning. You're going to be offended this morning. Uh, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, Democrat, Republican, old, young, whatever, uh, you, you will be offended. So uh, I love you. Okay. Uh, we live in a shaming society. This is the society we live in. This is America. Uh, we love to shame people that we don't agree with. Um, and we love, we love to pile on. We love to categorize. We're um, judgmental by nature. And this is the human nature. Um, and we also, uh, once we have an opinion on something, the way our brain is formed, the way God created us, it is very, very difficult to reach a separate conclusion. And so um, what we do then is we find information and we are drawn to information that confirms what we already believe. This is not, I am not telling you something just as an observation. This is scientific fact. They uh, did a, 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 um, a, a research project with uh, particularly men. And they divided the men into two groups. One group was those that identify very strongly as conservative and those that identify very strongly with liberal. And this is, I'm, there's no punchline, by the way. I'm not, it's not a joke. Uh, and they did an fMRI, a functional MRI. So you're in the MRI and they ask you questions. My son uh, had epilepsy and we've been through many, many of these. And they ask you questions to see which part of your brain lights up. And... Uh, what, what was happening was, and we'll get to the brain, I have a diagram of the brain in a little bit. We will get to the Bible, by the way, trust me. Um, and, uh, and so what would happen is the, the ones leaning, uh, the, the, and then they played some sound bites, one of George Bush, like literally contradicting himself. And then they played one of John Kerry. This was back when, they, when it was that election. We're way more advanced now. Uh, and, so, uh, and so they asked the two groups, like, what, what did you hear? And of course, you know, the Republicans who heard, uh, who heard George Bush, oh, he misspoke, he didn't really mean that, um, you know, he just, you know, he talks a lot, and so, you know, he, he messed up. Same thing with John Kerry, oh, he, he misspoke, he, uh, either one. And then when they heard the other, oh, this is exactly what I've been talking about, like, like nobody, but both of their brains fired at the exact same place. Uh, because it's very hard for us to change our opinion. You might have an opinion about millennials. You think they're lazy and you think that they're, they're soft. Back in my day, you could, you know, I'd rub dirt on my forehead. and you know, We didn't need stitches. You know, we'd, we'd glue it together with crazy glue. Whatever you have, all that. That was my best cranky old person. That's the best I could do. Uh, maybe you're just like, you're a millennial and you're just like old people. 
You know, they're, they're, they're cranky and they, they always talk about what things were like in the good old days and now we're mo much more progressive, all that kind of stuff. And you can insert whatever thing kind of gets you going. But you've felt it. You've been online. You've seen something. You've read something that confirms what you already believe. What happens to your brain when that happens is it gives you a little reward. It gives you a little dopamine hit or, you know, a little hit, and it feels good. And so you, 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 you're, you're hardwired to not want to change your opinion. Okay, so let's see. I did Democrats, Republicans, old people, young people. Okay, well, we'll get, we'll get to more. Um, oh, rich and poor, that's good, yeah. Uh, if you're wealthy, okay, you think, might think poor people are lazy. And if you're poor, you think rich people are greedy. And it's very difficult for us to do it. Here's, here's a, a current example. Uh, there was a scandal uh, recently, if you probably all, all heard of it, a college uh, admissions scandal where wealthy, attractive people <laughs> were uh, bribing people in the schools, often prestigious schools, almost exclusively prestigious schools, uh, in order to have their uh, wealthy kid get in. And you, doesn't, you don't have to be a rocket science to realize that this is wrong, but what we ended up doing as a society was publicly shaming those people. Piling on, piling on, piling on, talk shows, blogs, articles, all that, and then all of the comments and comments and comments to shame these people. And these are just two examples here. Uh, I read this in the, in the uh, news that this Democrat, Anthony Weiner, just got out of a, a halfway house for some inappropriate texts he was sending to a young woman. If you're uh, a Democrat or Republican or whatever, you have different views of what's going on, and it doesn't change. That if you're a Democrat, you don't go like, man, people in our party are whacked, right? They're weird. You don't do that. You just go, oh, he was an outlier. If you're a Republican, you're like, that's every Democrat I've ever known, right? <laughs> it's hardwired into your brain. You can't help it. You love it. No, I'm not kidding. You love it. When you believe something, here's a perfect example in my life. I read an article that, was, that did not uh, treat Tom Brady very well. And it's just bad journalism. Yeah. It's just terrible journalism. And it's biased. And, it's, and I read another one that, that painted him in a good light. And that's, that is good journalism. That, that person did their research, okay? Here's one that you might remember if you're a little older. Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. By the way, I just want to make a thing. If you have 22 minutes this week, um, go on. Uh, a, a, there's a TED Talk that Monica talks about for 22 minutes about what it's like to be publicly shamed. It's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. But when this was going on, if you're a Republican, oh, whoo, yeah, it's awesome. The president, the Democratic president of the United States got caught having an affair. Makes me feel so good as a, as a Republican. And if you're a Democrat, you probably were so angry with Monica Lewinsky. He, he was seduced. He doesn't know. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. All right, let's see how that works at home. Uh, so all the while, all the while this is going on, the, the Republicans are having their heyday. And Newt Gingrich was one of the ones, the Speaker of the House, and he was going, oh my goodness, you know, America deserves better. America deserves better. And all the while, he was having an affair with that uh, person right there. They ended up getting married, so God bless Newt Gingrich. Uh, he divorced his 
second wife and um, married her. Um, but even as I tell these stories, if you lean one way or the other, you're, one of them made you uncomfortable. <laughs> the other one was like, okay, good. Whew. Dopamine hit. Okay, everything's going to be fine. We call it confirmation bias. It's a tendency to search for, for uh, or interpret information in a way that confirms one's preconceptions, leading to statistical errors, I would say moral errors, I would say errors. It's our inability to be able to look logically at things, to set aside these biases, and it's very difficult. I'll show you real quick, because I love the brain. Um, what happens is um, on... Uh, this is your uh, prefrontal cortex. This is where all your, like, reasoning happens. And when you read an article, you think that's the part of your brain you're using, the learning part, the reasoning part. But in fact, you're using this part, and that's the part that governs your emotions. And, and, and you've all had it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You, you, you probably might have watched the news this morning. You probably picked which channel you were going to watch. Uh, it's the channel that was probably on the night before. And, uh, and, and you, you're watching it, and, and you, you, you dislike some things that they report on, and you like other things. And so uh, and when, when, that, when you make that relational connection between your, um, uh, your uh, emotions and, um, and then also your, this motivation or morals, when you make that connection, your brain fires off a nice reward for you. And it's very, very difficult to get past. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Jesus. Because here's the thing about Jesus. He kind of knows everything. Okay? He knows you. He knows what you did last week. And that's not the title of a movie. He really does. Uh, he, he knows what you did this morning. He knows your thought patterns. He knows everything about you. He knows your fears and your insecurities. He knows you. No matter how you portray yourself to others, if you're wealthy, poor, Republican, Democrat, and trust me, I got my friends go split right down the middle, and this church pretty much does too, um, just knowing what you guys tell me in secret. I don't think I'm supposed to believe this, but I really believe. So uh, I, I get it. Um, uh, and so... Uh, I'll, I'll talk to them differently about, you know, a, 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 an issue. Let's say, like right now, if you follow politics at all, the Mueller report has been this big thing. And so the re Democrats think it's a smoking gun for Trump and Trump, uh, all this kind of stuff. They're going back and forth. And when I listen to my two friends, uh, one Republican and one Democrat, it's like, it's like we're on two separate planets. Like, wait, they're like, no, it, it proves that Trump, and it's like, oh, it proves that he's totally innocent. I'm like... Wow. Wow. I don't know which one of you to hate. I, I can't, I don't know. I, somebody teach me, right? And, uh, but when Jesus enters into something, it's a little bit different. So we're going to look at a story in the Bible um, where there was a group of people that uh, were trying to do just that. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the, the power he was getting. They didn't like his perspective on things. They didn't like uh, the fact that he was, I mean, you have to understand this. He was the opposite of their structure. Their structure was all about law, all about rules. So much so that they had to come up with hundreds more rules than are in the Bible. If you're new to the Bible and you're like, I don't like all the rules, 
Be happy you live now instead of back when the Pharisees were there because they added more and more rules upon the rules. And Jesus was like, man, you guys got a lot of rules. And it bothered him. And so we catch Jesus. You saw the verses up here. Uh, what, what's happening is they, it's, it's at, they're in the temple and it's the Feast of Tabernacles. And actually the last two stories we did were around the same type. They've all been out of John. Um, uh, all around this time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, if you can imagine, um, the, the temple was set up with different courts. And he's in the court of what they call the court of women. And women could only go so far. And th- then the men could go back in. I, don't, I, that, I think that was just God protecting the women uh, uh, because uh, the men were going to mess everything up. And they're like, no, you just have your own court because he, I don't know why he did it that way. But, uh, and so in, these, in this court of women are these lights, these big bowls of oil, and they'd be lit. And it's, it's there that Jesus probably walked in front of them and said, I am the light of the world. And so he's, uh, he's being very disruptive. So at this, we catch it in John 5, uh, John 7, 53 and, uh, through 8, 1. They all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. That's often where he went. It was around the same place where uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And then he goes back to the temple. And here's what happens. At dawn. Oh, and don't send me an email about why the Mueller report is one way or the other. I don't care. Uh, I just want to get that out of the way. This will learn him. Uh, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach him. Man, could you imagine what that would be like to, like, literally sit at the feet of Jesus and, and be taught by him? And so you have this scene where um, if you're a Pharisee, this isn't that great because um, you, you come into the temple, and this is kind of your place of honor. It, it would be like if I walked in here and, you know, you guys weren't paying attention to me, and you're paying all attention to Jonathan. I'd be very upset. I would be very angry. Uh, uh, So they come, and all the people come, and they gather around them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Um, I was telling Lisa this morning, this one's going to be a hard one for me to get through completely without uh, getting emotional. Uh, And they made her stand before the group. Man, they made her stand before the group. Our society does this every single day via blog, via Facebook posts, via Instagram, via our little comments on the bottom of something, voicing our well-thought-out, grammatically correct opinions. Uh, If you've ever seen any of them, they're neither. (laughs) So... To shame, to shame, whoever it is, whatever they've done, those wealthy women who bribed their kids' way into an Ivy League school, I've got my thoughts on that. And we put her up there, and you know what else we do? We, we look down to see how many views, because it just makes us feel awesome if it's millions. You can send me an email if you think I'm wrong. We've all done it. We do it with fail videos. You know, you see someone showing off and then they run into a wall and we're like, yes. Ah, it feels so good. 
12 million views. I hope he learned his lesson. We do it. We make them stand in front of the group to shame them in order to confirm our biases. And it's gross. And it's not what Jesus would have us do. And it goes on both sides of the aisle. It goes on whatever it is. You pick your opinion and you watch yourself this week. Listen, and let me just say this. I forgot to mention this. Guilty is charged. I'm not preaching at you. I, I, I always preach to myself during the week, and it was, it was a bad week for me because <laughs> I kept noticing how often I do this. They make this woman stand up in front of a group. Let me ask you a question. Where's the man? I, I'm, not a, I'm not like a physiology expert, but I'm pretty sure that adultery requires more than one person. Man's not there. He either gets off scot-free. Here's what they say. They, they, they say this. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in New American Standard. It says the very act. The law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? What do you say we should do? In this particular time, what they needed in order to be able to pull off the stoning was two witnesses, male, because they didn't trust the testimony of a female, They needed two male witnesses who had to have seen the same thing and give the exact same testimony. (laughs) Just wrap your head around that. They, They saw them in the act of adultery. Number one, creepy, okay? It was a setup. It was a setup. Maybe the guy in the party was involved. But what ends up happening, the next verse is so weird and yet it describes our culture they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him jesus they're willing to kill somebody because they believe something man i'm glad we grew out of that (laughs) they're willing to publicly shame her To put her in front of all these people just by herself in order to try to trap Jesus. And every time we read an article and we post something or we get a dopamine hit and we're we're all happy about that, we're doing the exact same thing. We have a belief. We need that belief confirmed. Now, I know you're going to say, John, 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 you you don't understand. I, I believe the right way and it's a justice issue. There are justice issues and there are things that you can believe and that make you angry when you read them in the paper or the internet. I I get that. I get that. But then the question is, what are you going to do with it? Because anger and outrage and all those things aren't an end result. They don't change anything except you. And so they're willing to kill this woman in order to trap Jesus. Man, the next two words. So, they're right, by the way. The the law of Moses does say that. But you can be right and not get it right. Right? (laughs) Like, if you're you're talking to your spouse, your wife, I'll just pick myself. Your, Your wife says, you never listen to me. And I start going, never? You just lost. 
okay? You might have been right. Yes, she used the word never, and that's impossible. Never, always, all that kind of stuff. But if that's what you keyed on, adios, amigo. <laughs> you were right, but you got it wrong. You see? She shouldn't have used the word never. You're right. See how that works out for you, as Dr. Phil says. How's that working out for you? And so they're, they're, they come to Jesus to trap him, and they're, they're correct. That's what's supposed to happen. But these next two words, man, I want you to insert them into every article you read this week. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. If you insert Jesus, but I mean, we don't typically because it doesn't fit. Oftentimes he doesn't fit into our agenda. But imagine if you're going through your stuff and somebody's getting publicly humiliated. They put them right up in front and pick your political party or your person or whatever, your people group, your, uh, 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 your country of origin, whatever it is. And you're right and this proves it. But Jesus, but Jesus, here's what Jesus does. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I wish I knew what he wrote <laughs> so badly. Like, gosh, John, don't you think that's some information we'd all like to know? But I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't. So to kind of just give you an idea, he's sitting down, he, he teaches, and he He's probably sitting already cross-legged teaching because uh, he sat down to teach and then he just bends over and he starts writing something in the dirt. And we don't know what it is. Scholars speculate, as scholars often do, uh, that it was a Bible verse. You know, it was a verse from Jeremiah, a verse from Isaiah, or something that kind of sets the tone. Or uh, Some people think he started writing out all the sins of the people standing around well, there's not enough dirt in the temple to be able to get through that, okay? Uh, and, and most of the people would, you know, wouldn't even recognize because we never recognize our own sin. We recognize the, the lady. But Jesus bent down and he starts to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, give us a verdict. What do you say? Are you trying to avoid it? But Jesus, but Jesus doesn't work that way. He's not on your time schedule. He's not here to confirm your biases. He's not there for that. He's there for something totally different, and they kept questioning him. What's in the Mueller report? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, think, I think Jesus was actually tweeting at that time. He's like, he sends out the tweet. Man, the Pharisees are idiots, hashtag hypocrites, whatever. I don't know. They're like, what's that hashtag? They kept on questioning him, and he straightened up. Ooh, I like that. Let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. The law required that those witnesses, <clears throat> if you were a witness to a, um, a crime or a law, law that was broken, um, and you stood up in court or whatever it was to testify against it, you had to be the first one to throw a stone. You had to be the first one. The, the two witnesses were the first ones to begin the stoning. Because you had to have buy-in. 
You couldn't just come in, testify, and leave and let everyone else do the dirty work. You had to, and it, it kept testimonies. You know, you can imagine. It's like, well, I don't want to kill the person, you know. And so this is what would happen. And so that's what he says. <clears throat> and then again, he stoops down and he wrote on the ground. I'm going to read a little bit too much into the Bible, but I like to have my mind make a setting, and I like to look at Jesus for who Jesus was and who I see him as I see him throughout the four Gospels, and I'm glad there's four because we get a real well-rounded. <clears throat> if you're the woman, where are your eyes? Yeah, they're down as would yours be if you were publicly shamed, caught in a sin. You'd be like this. Her hair probably is down. Hopefully for her, it would make a shield for her. She would just be like looking down, not looking at anybody, hair, dirt. Except there's somebody sitting on the ground in front of her. And I think he's looking up into her eyes. I can't prove it. I can't prove it. But I think when he stooped down to write, he looked up at her. As she was publicly shamed by everybody, but Jesus stooped down. He wasn't there shaming her. What she did, was it wrong? Yeah. Were all those people right? Yeah. But Jesus isn't in the business of that. He's in the business of meeting you in your shame. He's in the business of meeting you at your worst. When all those other people around you go, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe, I thought we knew him. I thought we knew her. Not realizing that they're standing there in their own shame and their own brokenness. And let me tell you something, this is from the heart of Jesus. If you are here now in that shame, he can meet you in it. He can meet you in it. You don't have to get all cleaned up first. This is what he does. He stoops down. And again, I can't prove it. I think he was looking her right in the eyes. I think she saw hair, dirt, and then, hey. <laughs> can't prove it. Can't prove it. So he says this to these people, hey, you want to start throwing rocks? Why don't we start with the person who doesn't have any sin at all? They're in the temple. They believe that, that the sacrifices of the temple cleanse them. They could have just said, hold on, I'll be right back. I got to go get a sacrifice for my sins and I can come back and we can start the party. But they don't. At this, those who heard began to go away one at, the time, one at a time. The older ones first. Because those millennials, I had to stick around <laughs> until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Wow. I wonder how long that took. I wonder if that woman just kept looking down going, are they all gone yet? Please let them all be gone. And it starts with the older ones because I have no idea why. Probably they knew they have a longer life of sin. They could come up with them faster. We have no idea. 
Jesus straightened up. And he asked her, woman. And again, if we address somebody that way, it's, it's uncomfortable. That not back then, he called, that's what he called his mom, too. It's not like he was like, woman, you know, you know what's going on? You know, that's, not how he, that's not what he was doing. He says, woman, where are they? See, and, and, and here's, uh, uh, has no one condemned you? See, at this point, she has to look up. At this point, she has to straighten up. She looks around. I don't know if she had to adjust her hair or whatever. I'm sure her hair was wet from tears. She's looking around. No one. No one, sir. We call this story the story of the adulterous woman. It's the dumbest name for a story I've ever heard. How about the story of the cowardly, adulterous man who wasn't even there? Call it that. You know what I call the story? The day Sarah met Jesus. The day Priscilla met Jesus. Because her life was changed. She met him in her sin. And he looked her in the eyes, and he says, where are they? It's just, this is it. This is the thing that matters between you and me. He says, I don't condemn you either, then Jesus said. Now, some of this might make you uncomfortable, because she gets off the hook, right? Aren't you glad you got off the hook? I am. There's so many things if I was let on the hook for. Well, I certainly wouldn't be your pastor, that's for sure. But he says to her, now go and leave your life of sin. As the worship band comes back up, I'm going to give you an assignment. And it's a difficult one. those women who were caught trying to get their kids into Ivy League school, we all have our opinions, and you're all right. <clears throat> Sometimes I like to think when I'm reading an article, when someone's caught in something or whatever, they have to go to prison like that congressman and all this stuff. What happens when they're in their living room or their jail cell, or something. And they realize their whole life has crumbled around them. And they're like, my God, how did it get to this? What was I thinking? What was I doing? That moment when they say, Jesus, Jesus, would you forgive me? While we're sitting around that person just judging them. So here's, here's your assignment. Next time you're reading an article for whatever bent you have, immigration, abortion, pick, pick whichever thing. I, forgot, I knew there was two that I didn't say that would be offensive, so I wanted to get those in there. Um, and they name a person, and you know that person because you're well-informed and all this. If you would stop and insert but Jesus 
and tell a different narrative than what you're about to read. But Jesus grabbed hold of his heart. Jesus grabbed hold of her heart, and her life was changed forever. It won't fire off a bunch of stuff in your brain. I should have written this down, doggone it. The anecdote for your bias is not more information. It's empathy. It's compassion. It's not learn more, do this, I'll read different articles. Well, okay, I'll, I'll watch Fox News for a little bit as much as I watch CNN. I'll get it. But no, it's not that. It's empathy. And so as you face this week and you kind of catch yourself, because I'm praying that you will, that you would maybe, if you're, if you're, if you're comfortable doing so, drop to your knees and begin to lift that person up in prayer. Say, Jesus, Jesus, just forgive them, capture their heart, get them, change them like you did me.